0: The story I'm about to tell happened while I was music minister in Fort Wayne at Suburban Bethlehem Congregation. It's a story about a little boy who's five years old. His name was Seth. He was adopted, he was from Guatemala. And in October, on October 5th, 2005, the family went over to a friend's house Everybody got out of the car, everybody was happy, it was going to be a party, and Seth disappeared, and they spent about 20 minutes looking for him. Seth never went swimming at the home where he lived because he was afraid of water. So they immediately went over to the in-ground pool, which was covered up with a plastic tarp because it was fall. And they figured everything was fine. Turned out it wasn't. When they turned the lights on in the pool, his father saw him and dove in, and he had drowned. He was at the bottom of the pool. When they took him out and waited for the EMT to come, the EMT did not have a mask small enough for the child's face. So they put a lot of epinephrine in him. And we went to the hospital. Actually, I was called to the hospital. Waiting and hoping all night that faith wins out. But love was what kept going. I stayed all night with them, and we all knew that we had to wait in order to hear the doctor's call the next morning because There was so much epinephrine in him that there was no ceasing of brain waves. They could not make the call. So it was all night that we stayed with Seth and all night that I stayed there with the family. Unable to do anything about the situation at times. And as a last resort, we search to comfort, saying in faith, God knows And we'll take care of it. A phrase that seems so empty. It seems to say we're giving up. We have to cling to this life, the only life that we know. Whereas faith and hope are unknown realities to us. But helpless insecurity, we cling to hope. As Paul says in Romans chapter 4, Against hope. Abraham believed in hope with the result that he became the father of many nations. Without being weak in faith, he considered his own body as dead because he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. And he did not waver in unbelief about the promise of God, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. He was fully convinced that what God promised he was able to do Likewise as Christians we cling to hope not to a wish not to a hopeless hope hope is a cry of desperation a confession of helplessness but as with Abraham hope that is the conviction of what we know through faith awaiting for the promised fulfillment of what we believe the resurrection from the dead and eternal life helpless we wait with great expectation like we hear in the bible that the bride waits for the bridegroom to appear anticipation building and so we see through a desperate situation not by our limited love and words of consolation Not by our strength, but by the strength of the Lord God, creator and redeemer, in whom we place faith and hope. I'm sure you have been in some similar situation, perhaps not so severe, but nonetheless one in which you knew that you were helpless And that only faith and hope would remedy the situation. Not faith and hope as the power. But the power coming from in whom faith and hope is placed. For faith and hope have no power on their own. It is in whom faith and hope is placed. But still, even so, it seems you could do more than offering faith and hope. But sometimes in situations, you're helpless. I could have left that night with words of encouragement, a hug, a pat on the back, a prayer, knowing that as Christians they had faith and knowing that they had hope in the promises of God. But how could I love them and make them whole? Where Paul talks about three, faith, hope, and love. How could I love them so as to not see them suffer waiting for the doctor's words that indeed Seth had died? Words that sought to strengthen faith and hope, although very real, would have meant very little if it were not for love. Love sees hope through. Love is the locomotive that pulls faith and hope along. does not replace faith. Love does not replace hope. Love makes faith real. Love makes faith felt. Love incarnates faith and hope. It makes faith and hope a present reality. And so, as Paul says, love is patient as it awaits for the day of fulfillment. And love endures suffering while we wait for the arrival of our Savior. And love is not self-centered because it's the power to move and strengthen others is only felt when it is given away. Love never exists by itself. Our love embodies what we hope And have faith in. This is the mistake the world makes when it says all you need is love. The world believes that the answer to everything is love and acceptance. A faith and hope based on the potential of people. So that if we merely empower others and live politically correct, giving no offense to anyone, that this will somehow establish everlasting peace and love. But it leaves God out of the picture and places love itself, the act of loving that which gives hope and faith, but only faith and hope in the goodness of mankind. That love is only as good as far as mankind is righteous, but that love is powerless as it is human. My love would never bring that little boy back to life. My love and being with that family would never give them faith in a future life in and of itself. Neither would it give them hope to push on in anticipation of anything. Because this is what love is, not my love, but God's. As John writes in his letter, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Our gospel today not only reveals God's love, but it reveals just how helpless we are in this world because of sin. We see ourselves in the demon-possessed man. We see ourselves in Peter's helpless plea to Jesus to heal his mother-in-law we see ourselves in the people who bring myriads of their relatives to be healed that is who we are broken and helpless in this world not just guilty because of sin in actions that we do before God but we are a fallen creation in the natural world order We are far from God. Our flesh and blood, our breathing in and our breathing out, are tainted. Our inability and helplessness in this life to destroy the problem of sin, to make people complete and whole and even overcome evil and death is evident not only in the story of Seth, But every night that we hear the news, and every day that we read the newspaper, we are captive to sin, as the Bible tells us. Sin, our condition in this world, reigns over the world and renders us impotent. Like blinders over our eyes, we cannot and do not recognize God nor our helplessness until tragedy strikes. There is nothing we can do. And our mortal love, no matter how well-intentioned, how sincere or desirous we are to help, has no authority or power. Our love has no authority or power over what has held this world captive. It has no authority or power to ultimately and permanently free us from our helplessness and help others. As long as we live, our mortal bodies and sin-ridden world must live in through faith in the salvation that is yet to come. And it must live in this world by hope, being convinced that we too, as with Christ, will be raised from the dead and given new and eternal life. Helplessly knowing that although we have love to give, it will never bring complete home to a homeless or job to a jobless or father to the fatherless or mother to the motherless. No authority and no power. But Christ's love is authoritative and powerful. He created the world, and he created you and me, and when he became incarnate and dwelt among us, it was because he loved us and knew our helplessness. He hated the corruption of the fallen creation. He hated the captivity in which we dwelt and decided to do something about it in love. And so he shows in our gospel today that his love alone can destroy the bonds that hold the world captive and helpless. And only his love can restore the world to its original purpose. He and only he as creator of this world has the authority and the power to rebuke and cast out Satan from the demon-possessed man. And if you search scripture, rebuke is the only thing that Jesus does no man can rebuke no woman can rebuke because they are not the creator of the world by his word and by his authority he reverses what sin has done so that a man the demon possessed who was without hope and without faith can and does experience the love that changes him The love of the creator who with one word silences what is wrong. The demonic forces that were holding him captive. And Jesus declares him whole. Then with Peter's mother-in-law, he walks into the house. They're helpless. They are powerless, even though they love But God's love, Jesus' love, is authoritative and powerful to what he has created. With one word, Jesus rebukes the fever and commands it to leave. Then, from everywhere, desperate people, helpless people who are captive in this world to what sin has done to creation, flock to Jesus. He lays hands on them. He rebukes illnesses. Because the whole world is captive. Everyone could have come to him. His love and cure is for the people who come to him. And he gives through his love faith and hope in himself. And the people cry out, What's happening here? With power and authority, he commands. This is him. The people shout, our hope and our salvation. Remember that only a few verses before last week we heard Jesus say, Today, this prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. And now in action and truth and in love, he is fulfilling it. The people shout our hope and our salvation in him. We will trust and put our faith. Only his love can cure Only his wounds can heal, only his blood can wash, only his scars can make whole, only his death can give life, only his rebuke creates his children anew and clothes them in his righteousness. Only his resurrection gives us hope and only his return will bring us to everlasting peace and love and joy and fulfillment and only faith in him can make this a reality now love binds together faith and hope there will come a day when we will know god and see him face to face and so faith will pass away One day, too, our hope will be realized in the resurrection of the dead when we will be eternally with God. And we will no longer have to hope. But what will always remain, as Paul says, is love. We're learning to love here in this world. To love eternally with God in the next Love will remain as he has showed us how to love and teaches us how to love one another. We will always live now and eternally in love, expressing love to one another, giving love to one another, because we through Christ are a new creation that through his word has power and authority to change people's lives. We offer them the righteousness of Christ, the new Adam that will never die. As children of God, we are called to live a life of love, not our love, but the love of Christ. Living in the love of Christ by his word, we offer Christ. We offer freedom. We offer a new life. We offer a life of faith and hope to the helpless and the blind, the homeless, the hungry, the fatherless. In our daily lives, we are called to share this love patiently, sacrificially, humbly, pointing not to our love, but to Christ who has filled us with his love. That is the only reason Paul says, faith, hope, and love abide, but the greatest of these is love, because it's lived and will always remain. Standing beside Seth's hospital bed, we were helpless, but not hopeless. Where my feeble love for Seth's parents was insufficient, it was the only thing incarnated our hope of eternal life through faith in Christ Jesus. On the other hand, Christ's love for Seth, sealed in his baptism, ushered him into a new world where his infant faith and hope were now fully realized and made complete in Christ Jesus. Amen. If you're interested in knowing more about Jesus Christ or about Grace Lutheran Church, please go to www.gracealoneonline.org. You can email us at gracealoneonline at gmail.com.